Warning, the Our Voice podcast contains explicit language and may not be suitable for listeners of all ages. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to United Not Silence, the Our Voice podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Anthony Monterullo. I'm the head of video content here at Our Voice. I'm joined, as I am always, by my co-host, Adrian Higgins. Hello. Hey. Um, Sam can't be with us tonight. He's washing his hair or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Getting an even shorter haircut. Yeah, maybe. Because <laughs> every time we see him, he's got a shorter haircut. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm convinced he's going to shave his head, which will be great for when he's running for congress but, um, well exploring right he's exploring, exploring. for congress <laughs> um so uh we got some big stories today a bunch of stuff actually happened like just before we started that i didn't really get a chance to prepare stories on but i don't know if you saw this uh the u.s uh, putin and trump actually agreed to a ceasefire in southwest russia or uh, southwest yeah russia, southwest syria excuse me um which Love is... how I just went along with you. I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> I heard it on Democracy Now. No, sorry. That was my flash forward to 10 years from now when the neolibs had forced <laughs> us into war with Russia. Um, but yeah, no, they agreed to a, a ceasefire in southwest Syria, which is awesome. Um, and I'd love to hear people criticize that, especially all the actual you know neocons who claim that they're liberal on the left who are really pushing for regime change with Assad because they're all going to be like, well, this is not the right step. We need to... So yeah, let's let's see them let's see them decry a ceasefire that's going to save hundreds, if not thousands, of civilian lives in in that particular area of Syria. Like you know, there, there's no there, I, to me, there's no negative to the story, but we'll we'll see how people react to it. Because as I said, it did just happen a couple like an hour before we went on the air. Um, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think about it though? Um, uh, I mean, it's got the guise of peace. Yeah. I think that's what they're going for, right? Um, yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> it's hard to know with these guys. It is hard to know, and I, I will agree with that. But on its face, what the, you know, the agreement seems to be, hey, let's de-escalate a little bit because we both have troops there and we don't want to be shooting each other because that could be uh, disastrous. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, you know, on, on its face, it's a really good thing. And this is, you know gonna piss people off who want to see us escalate with russia for some fucking reason but including morons that i argue with on twitter all day but you know it's just (laughs) christ well you know yeah i'll probably get called a putin puppet just for saying this though so listen we're already putin puppets okay i'm just waiting for my check to come come on on, come on on. let's go mail from russia can't take this long you can wire transfer (laughs) that shit to me (laughs) um so that was interesting you know what's actually also interesting we had a ceasefire i read about i knew about this a little bit but i was reading about it today because when the story broke we had a ceasefire with syria back in i think september of last year uh obama yeah but 
and this is for people that say the deep state doesn't exist or the military industrial complex doesn't exist. The in- the intelligence apparatuses didn't like that we were coming to it, that we had reached a ceasefire with Syria. They ordered a drone strike that killed 62 Syrian soldiers, which totally destroyed our uh, ceasefire agreement that we had made back in September, which Obama was furious about because he actually, to his credit, was really trying to, to broker a ceasefire. And uh, they didn't like that, so they fucking called in a drone strike that they knew would inflame tensions and ruin the ceasefire. So for anyone who doesn't think that the military-industrial complex is the ones who actually control our foreign policy in the Middle East, uh, you know, I, I got a bridge to sell you. Because uh, that's <laughs> totally what, what fucking happened. So, you know, I, you know, and as you said, I don't, oh, I, I don't trust Trump or Putin as far as I can throw him, but um on the surface this looks like a good thing so you know we'll see how that plays out and we'll probably end up doing a little bit of coverage on that uh next week yeah i mean if that's if that's the case then yeah i agree with you it's a good thing it's just (laughs) these characters are so shady oh yeah and trump is such a snake oil salesman it's like i i don't believe anything that guy says yeah yeah you know you know it could just be for self-preservation but yeah I'm sure I mean, we shouldn't be fighting with Russia. We have no reason no, to no. fight with Russia. Seriously. We shouldn't be fighting with Syria either. I mean, it's that, that I think that's the, um, you know, that's that's the interesting thing about this is I think it'll be spun as, oh, they're, look how buddy-buddy they are. They're blah, blah, blah. They're colluding. But, you know, whatever gets peace, that's, that's the fucking important thing. If he bumbles his way into peace in the Middle East, I'll be eternally grateful. I'll still oppose him on all of his other policy positions, but that does not mean I can't uh, congratulate him when he does something good. You know, that's, I think, the thing where there's a big disconnect with a lot of liberals is that they'll decry anything just because he does it, which is a thing that we complained about Republicans doing when Obama was president. Yeah, so. which is true. They're, yeah, that's a fact on both, all around, all around facts. So, like, when he does something <laughs> like kill the TPP, I celebrate it because I think that was a horrible deal that would have further decimated the little manufacturing left in this country and further decimated the jobs market in this country. So I can give him credit for that. Now, he probably didn't do it for good reasons, and he might even revive it with the TISA, uh, the TISA. I forget what, I forget what that's the, uh, an acronym for, but that's another trade agreement that's very similar. But I can give him credit in the short term for killing that deal, at least. So, you know, just guys, don't be hypocrites. Don't say you're for something and then say you're against it. That's what Republicans do. Um, but let's move on. Oh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, real quick, uh, our voice recommends, I, I, I think I want to make that a new segment where we kind of like talk about, uh, like, you know, whatever we're, we're reading or listening to or movies we've seen or documentaries or whatever. Um, I just saw, uh, it's not a documentary, but I, I, and I know I'm really late to this train, but I just saw Get Out, the movie Get Out. Did you see Yeah, that? me too. Yeah. I saw it like a week or two ago. It was. I, what, what did you think? I fucking loved it. I predicted the story. I did. did you? When they, when I saw the those that um the Spoiler. housemaids, Spoiler. the housemaids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what were they? What were their names? I can't remember the names. But the maids at the the white woman's family. Yeah, yeah. When they started talking, I just looked at my my husband and I'm like, "That's a white person in there. Why are they talking <laughs> like white people? <laughs> Come on, if you know Key and Peele, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was George Peele, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. He wrote it. Great and I was like, that too. is his job. impression of a white guy. <laughs> yeah, so, so I kind s- of predicted the story. <laughs> spoilers for, for, for Get Out, obviously. So, oh, Anthony, know. did I lose you? No, no, I'm here. Can you hear me? 
Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you. Can oh, you hear okay. Me? I, can, I can hear you now, but you're frozen on screen. Oh, there you are. There, great. Oh, that was weird. Um, a little patience and it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was saying, so... Yeah, and spoilers, by the way, for Get Out. If you haven't seen it... Uh, <laughs> Spoiler alert. Skip ahead like 10 minutes because we're going to talk about it a little bit because I think it's actually really relevant to today's society, which was kind of the, the best thing about it. Um, yeah, I, I definitely knew something was up. And I was a little bummed because when I first saw the trailers, I was like, oh my God, they gave away so much. They actually really didn't give away almost anything in the trailers. I was very surprised how many kind of twists there were in it and like the whole thing at the end where it literally is that they're you know what the most fucked up scene was i thought was great like did a great job the way they did it was the um when they went to play bingo out in the courtyard and you realize that he's doing like a silent slave auction where he's like holding up like yeah. like the fingers and he's like holding up 10 and then they're holding up bingo cards i was like what the fuck are they doing this isn't how you play bingo but then you realize they're literally auctioning off um his body yeah and i just thought it was like a it was an amazingly written movie b it really said a lot about like this 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 uh, jordan I, I was listening to an interview with jordan peele or with jordan yeah jordan peele yeah jordan peele yeah um and he was yeah, saying he's, he's great he's great I, and i love key and peele but i i mean he's yeah. like an amazing director i hope he does more stuff like this that's a little bit it was funny as hell but it was obviously not a comedy it was you know super serious and rooted in like it was it was like uh, you know basically a horror movie, but it was it was rooted in a lot of real shit. Um, but he's saying how like after he wrote it during Obama's first term, when there was this kind of lie of like a post-racial society, and he, yeah, and he wanted to make the point that it's still really like we have a long fucking way to go. I mean, it, it, it's it's you know yeah. it's just a lot more veiled, and I think the Trump you know election kind of unveiled that to people so i think it, that almost kind of was a weird way to coincide with the release of the movie but um the interest other interesting thing is that an original ending he said he had written was that um uh daniel like was the guy's name the main character yeah i can't actually remember I, anymore I, I think it was daniel whatever his name was he was um so at the end, when he's like choking uh, the uh, the girlfriend, uh, Allison Williams, and the cops show up, originally he was gonna get arrested, and um, he was supposed to get arrested, and like basically he because of the the hypnosis, he couldn't really remember what happened at the house, and he just ended up in jail, and it was like the holy system. shit, yeah, and the system, and I. I and this because the house burned down and all the evidence burned down and it was like the system it, it was supposed to be coming on like this the you know how black people are just always you know disproportionately incarcerated as opposed to white people and like how she got away with it because she took advantage of this fucked up system but he's like yeah but after everything that happened i and after all the police shootings i was like he's like black people need a victory they need that moment at the end where his TSA friend shows up and you're, you're like, oh shit, it's the cop. You think it's like going to be the racist cop from the beginning, but it's his TSA buddy. You're like, oh my God, he actually, you know, like it was that awesome moment at the end where he kind of saves the day. But um, he's like, yeah, it was such a downer of an ending that he, he had to change it given like all the mass shootings and the Black Lives Matter and like the, pro the Ferguson protests. He's like, yeah, I had to change it. Um, 
But I just wow. think, yeah, I just think it's like a really powerful. And the other co- really cool thing about it is if you go back and read like some of the uh, IMDb trivia for it, it points out a lot of really interesting things that happened in the movie that I never that you didn't realize until after you heard you you figured out the twist about the ending. Um, uh, which I don't even remember off the top of my head, but like you know, it, there's so many little things like about how everyone's always all the uh, the, the the house people are wearing like hats or like the maids always fixing her hair because they're all yeah. covering like the lobotomy scars um and how the so that scene where the uh where the guy is running at him when he's standing outside which freaked the shit out of me like when i first yeah saw. <laughs> um, i know it's scary but that's because that's the grandpa who never got over losing to jesse owen so he just now that he has a young body just keeps running around to get like the fit, like there's so many little subtleties. Oh, that's like, awesome. There's so many really cool little subtleties that like you don't realize until I, I really want to go back and watch it again. But um, yeah, it's a great horror movie, really well made, and it says a lot about modern society and and the way. And I love how they were neoliberals too. By the way, I love yeah, how they were, yeah. <laughs> I would have voted for Obama for a third term. He was my favorite. Oh, president. perfect. <laughs> I was like, this is so fucking. This is too real. This is too real. I got um, and also the subtlety of the of the female lead, where his his girlfriend in it, where you know she tries to make it seem like, oh yeah, no, my parents are just weird, you know, like they're they're not used to me dating black guys, and you know that whole subtlety, how like they were trying to play it off, was really interesting, and he did such a good job writing it. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, check that out if you yeah. haven't seen and it. And the actors were all really really good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everybody was good in it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, do you have anything you want to recommend this week or you want to move on to the uh, stories for the week? I mean, everybody already knows about it, but if you don't know about it, everybody's got to watch Handmaid's Tale. That's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I still haven't gotten around to watching it. Oh, you haven't seen it yet? Yeah, you got to check that out. They're they're done now. The season's complete. It's out there. Oh, cool, cool. So, um, yeah, apparently it was the the highest, um, the most viewed thing Hulu has ever put out. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, it was super. It was so popular that they renewed it after like this. I think the second season debut, the second episode debuted. Wow! All right, that's that, awesome. Yeah, that's how good it was. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was unbelievable. And apparently, it was it was so popular that Margaret Atwood, who's the who's the author of the novel that it's based off of, she um is now thinking of writing a sequel because it was so popular. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I gotta check that oh, out. Oh, it's so I, good, it's Anthony. Really yeah, especially it. since you're into politics, you're gonna love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's dark. But it's dark. It's it good. seems very dark and very real, considering yeah. where we're heading. But um. And the yeah. main actress is a Scientologist, you know, so there's an extra level of oh, creepiness to it. Really, the chick from Mad Men is a Scientologist. Yes. Oh, that's Full such on. A bummer. I like her a lot. Well, yeah, she's good. She's a really good actress, but you know, that's who they go after. Yeah. Um, Look for talented people on purpose. Yeah, oh, we, could, we could do a whole whole episode about Scientology. I'm sure. But <laughs> let's let's save that for another day. I'm already. Oh, you know what else I'm watching? I'm watching that Bernie Madoff. Uh... Oh, the the HBO one. Yeah, I started watching it the other day. It is it is as good as I thought it would be. It was it's really interesting. Cool, cool. Yeah, I gotta check that yeah. out. Um. So um, we got a couple stories I want to get into this week because some uh. Some some stuff happened. Actually, every story I have is from the intersect. Uh, the intersect, <laughs> except this first one. Because they're uh, like one of the very few trustworthy news sources. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> um, few and far between. But, I mean, um, Truthout is good too. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's some good ones. You know, alternate yeah. is pretty good, but yeah, the nation's okay. Yeah, they're they're little, they're sometimes a little right leaning. You know, it's actually been really good lately. Is the Observer, which which you pointed uh, out before, <laughs> is Kushner's uh, website, which is crazy. But I think he hires people who don't like the mainstream Dems, who are like actual progressives, because it makes the mainstream Dems look bad. So, you know, hey, whatever's getting them work. so bizarre. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's actually a Democrat, believe it or not. Yeah. I, I think. Oh, well, did you, you know, I don't even have that story prepared, but did you hear about that fucking party they had in the Hamptons? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was hanging out with his Democrat buddies out oh there. Oh, my God. I, yeah. So in case, in case you weren't sure that Washington is just a total insider's club, there was a party held out in the Hamptons by uh, Lolly Weymouth, I think her name is. She's the yeah. senior editor. At the Washington Post, you know, democracy dies in darkness. And, <laughs> um, she had a big party out at her mansion in the Hamptons, and in attendance were Chucky e. Schumer, uh, Jared and Ivanka Trump, Kellyanne Conway, the fucking Koch brothers, George one Soros. Oh, well, I'm sorry, one of the Koch brothers. I, I, they're, I think they're basically one person. I don't think that's yeah, they are. You're um, right. And uh, George Soros, you know. Uh, uh, there were a couple other people, like some big name people. And yeah, just all, you know, a bunch of top Democratic Party uh, elected officials and lobbyists and executives and a bunch of Republicans. So, you know, this this whole idea that they're resisting Trump. Meanwhile, they're partying at a party with his fucking son, a daughter and son-in-law. So, yeah, OK. And Kellyanne Conway. And, Kelly, and Kellyanne fucking Conway. So, yeah. Again, if you believe that, I have, you know, a bridge in New Jersey to sell you because they don't fucking, they don't hate each other. They feign, <laughs> you know, Glenn Greenwald had a great tweet about it. It was something to, to the effect of, uh, it's almost as if America is controlled by, let, let me pull it up because I don't want to get oh, it. Oh, yeah, I saw that tweet. I know what you're talking about. That was pretty good. Yeah. He's great. I yeah, love Glenn right. Greenwald. He's one of the few good journalists we have now. I mean, he's a Putin puppet. God. I've seen that him called that many times. Many, many times. He's He's been called a Putin puppet. Man, how many times? More than we have. <laughs> well, I told you today I got I got called a Putin puppet for the first time. I actually reposted it. I was so proud of it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's hysterical. Oh, my God. Um, I can't find it, but yeah, he was basically <laughs> saying it's almost as if there's a global elite that rules all of Washington and they feign partisan, uh, differences to keep us distracted from the fact that they're all screwing us. Something yeah. to that effect, which is, yeah, pretty much, you know, yeah. it's a big club and we ain't in it. Oh yeah. Like the late and great Carlin used to say, <laughs> they don't care about you. Nope. No. Oh. So. Oh, he was great. Yeah, no, wish Carlin was still with us, man. I know he was a nihilist, but he was great. He was a nihilist, but he would have been shit talking the neoliberals, I think, for sure, if he was around still. Um. So, oh, you cut out. Are you still there? Can you hear me? Lou. Hey, can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Okay. Um. Okay, well, so uh, let's. I, I, on that note, I do want to get to the first story. Uh, yeah. Democrats try a new slogan. I don't know if you saw this. <laughs> <laughs> that was literally what they ran on. Oh that was what God. Hillary ran on. I'm not so, him. So uh, this is a story from The Hill, from Josh Delk over at The Hill. Uh, Democrats try a new slogan. Have you seen the other guys? Uh, 
uh, and I swear to God, this is not a fucking joke. Um, the campaign arm for the House Democrats on Wednesday tried out a new slogan. Quote, I mean, have you seen the other guys? Uh, the sticker slogan, one of several floated as part of a fundraising effort by the DCCC, which is the fundraising arm of the DNC. They, they're the, one who's, the ones who are supposed to, in theory, give money to congressional candidates, even though we've shown that they only give I money to... Yeah, well, they only gave yeah, pretty much only to Asa. They only give money to people that uh, support the bullshit warmed over, you know, centrism that they support, and anyone that doesn't toe their line, they give you know dick to. Uh, James Thompson won twenty thousand dollars for a mailer. They wouldn't even give him that, but they gave John Ossoff, uh nine million dollars to contribute to his twenty-three million that he set on fire in his campaign. Um, <laughs> but. So the uh, DCCC caused a stir on social media where many wondered why the party would try out such a self-deprecating campaign line. Not exactly the most inspiring slogan at DCCC, wrote uh, ProPublica reporter Derek Willis. Uh, Dems are asking people to vote on a new sticker, and I'm not sure anyone in history has been as bad at this, tweeted Adam Serwer, a uh, senior editor for The Atlantic. (laughs) <laughs> even like people like the Atlantic who kind of tend to carry water for the establishment are like, wow, this is really dumb. Um, Every now and again, they have a good piece though. I will say that. No, they do. They have some good, a lot of places like that are like, like Vox too. It's like they have, they're mostly establishment, but they do have some good writers. Same with Rolling Stone. I mean, Matt Taibbi is like yeah. one of the best writers I think in, in, in the business. And he works, you know, with a lot of, with a, with a magazine that endorsed Hillary Clinton in the primaries. So, which he actually wrote an article, and they, to their credit, let him write an article in Rolling Stone, uh, criticizing Rolling Stone about doing that. Um, I like Jan Warner. He's the owner of Rolling Stone. Yeah. He seems like a pretty decent guy. He's actually uh, gay. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think I think that's probably an editorial staff decision, So, and they might even have voted on it in the editorial staff, but what are you going to do? Um Another sticker slogan referenced Senator Elizabeth Warren's opposition to Attorney General Jeff Sessions' confirmation in, quote, she persisted, we resisted. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) She persisted at what? Yeah, I know. Uh, Another one, uh, make Congress blue again, urged another. Uh, So just blatant, you know, team team partisan politics, you know, home team politics. Are we going to make Congress blue again by challenging Bernie Sanders to a seat? Yeah, which you know that they are they doing, by the way. The establishment Dems would flip the F out if somebody did that to them. Yeah, well, we're doing it, so they can fucking, you know, we are doing it. Um, the, compa- the campaign arm for the House Republicans later mocked the DCCC for its sticker. Uh, <laughs> this is fucking great. Oh my god. The Democrats are so bad that they let the Republicans actually uh, tweet funny jokes about them. The NRCC tweeted out, uh, we like this slogan better, and they made a sticker that says Democrats 2018, we win moral victories, not elections. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fucking awesome. Uh, Wow, yeah. That's that's how bad the Democrats are. So, um, I don't know. Why don't we just make we tortured some folks? (laughs) So... (laughs) This is an interesting strategy. Uh, how do you think it's going to play out? <laughs> so, no. So, in all seriousness, the, I, I just want to read you. The four fucking stickers that they tried as their <clears throat> fundraising 
you know, for their fundraising drive. The resistant persist. She resisted. She persisted. We resisted. That's two separate stickers. Democrats 2018. I mean, have you seen the other guys? And make Congress blue again. You know what's uh, conspicuously missing from all of those? Any hint of policy substance or um, <laughs> promises to do anything whatsoever? I mean, it's just it, it literally. It, why don't they just make one that says "We're not Trump"? Because that's what they're saying with all four of those fucking stickers. Why don't we just? That's don't we what just... the one literally says. Have we seen the other guys? Yeah, it's no, literally that saying literally "We're not is Trump." We're not Trump. I mean, and then the other one. How about the other one? That's like damn near Trump slogan. Whatever. Make it make it blue again. Like yeah. make America great again. Like, are you kidding me? Oh, my God, oh Sam's so not funny. here to be like that's a great slogan. <laughs> And then me to yell at him again for like a fourth time. <laughs> Sam, he stole it from Reagan. And oh, added one word to the end. So, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm no expert and I'm no consultant and I didn't get paid a hundred thousand dollars to come up with this. Like I'm sure the guy who wrote those stickers did, but uh, how about, you know, healthcare for all. What? Don't worry. Putin will cut you a check. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, how, about, for all. how about a sticker? Democrats 2018 healthcare for all. Democrats twenty eight, you know, like Democrats twenty eighteen, Universal uh, Public College, like you know, Democrats. They can even do something that they they stand by all the time, which is like Democrats, you know, the the choice that's pro choice or something like that. Yeah. I don't know, you know, what yeah, I mean? no, something I, like that. Literally anything of any substance whatsoever, except for bullshit, meaningless platitudes, and you know rhyming or like schemes. the party that accepts all you know something yeah. like that yeah <laughs> they don't even go for like the stuff they do already you could even go with some of tom perez's favorite sayings we could say it could be oh. De democrats 2018 a big tent party or democrats 2018 leading with our values or... yeah hope on the ballot <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you know you bad. know that there's a crisis in transparency <laughs> How can they be this bad at this? They get paid so much money. How can they be this bad at this? I don't understand. Well, I mean, we saw who they're paying for ideas. We saw. I mean, that intercept story you showed me that um, we're going to talk about. Oh, I don't yeah, wanna... how, how it's the right wingers that are that are yeah. Yeah, you know, <sighs> and 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 how about the story we talked about last week with Heather Podesta? It's like she just works. All she cares about the Podestas, Tony, Heather, John. All they care about is who's paying them. You know. Yep. Yeah, that's absolutely true. They're they're so wealthy. Do you think they have to worry about healthcare or or schools or anything like that? Well, first of all, that none of them have kids. Um, yeah, that's true. But yeah, you know, it's just ugh. well, you know, I'm sure the mainstream media though will be on top of that and reporting about how they're all taking oh. money from Republicans because you know, I don't know if you saw, but Rachel Maddow today, uh, or I guess last night had read out a falsified uh, NSA document that she claimed was from the Intercept, even though the document was made public on the Intercept two days before she got it, and was timestamped at the same time as the Intercept. She basically made up a fucking bullshit story for the first 20 minutes and tried to pawn it off as if the Intercept had uh, gotten false documents, when she, in fact, had gotten a doctored copy of the document that the Intercept had originally published. Um, so yeah, I'd love to see a retraction on her show tonight, but I somehow doubt that's going to happen. I'm not going to find out because her show is fucking abysmally boring and I would never watch it again. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I've literally never watched an episode of Rachel Maddow I did, in my I, entire life. I watched when she had that, that whole fucking 
the hysteria about how she had Trump's tax returns because I was like, eh, <laughs> I'm curious. And I mean, you know, her show is just such a fucking just a 24 fucking like like a 24 minute smug fest at the top of her show her first segment it's just miserable to get through because she just you know on and on and slowly and like doesn't get to the point on purpose because that's like her shtick yeah i don't know i'm sorry if you guys watch rachel maddow i i i I feel for you because it's fucking awful Guys, just watch Democracy now. All yeah, right, really? just Amy Goodman. All right, over Rachel Maddow any day of the week, so. any day. <laughs> you know, Amy Goodman knows how to make it short and sweet. You know, she knows yeah. how to get to the point. She's great. No, she does absolutely. I mean, Richard Wolf is a little bit drier and slower and all that, but I love him. I call him Grandpa. <laughs> I love that man. Rachel Good, uh, Rachel Maddow is like H. A. Goodman, uh, but <laughs> for centrist politics. Like he's. You know, super dry, and so it, she's basically like him, but she just has no substance whatsoever. Yeah, I've seen um, clips. You know, people say she used to be good, but I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm dubious of that. Um, I literally never watched MSNBC to be honest with you. Like, even when that was like more allegedly more liberal, well, I was to... always too far left for it. Always. I'll tell you, they used to have good people on in the early 2000s, but they fired them all because they wouldn't carry fucking water. I mean. You know, I'm sure you've, like, seen some clips of Jank on there. He was, you know, when he had his show, he was calling out Obama for the drone strikes and all that shit, and he was getting Oh, flat. they probably weren't having that. No, no, no. He, he got called into a meeting, by the, and he said this, and he's gotten in trouble for saying this, from by the head of NBC, and they're saying, Jank, uh, that's the home team. You don't talk like that about them. They're the, you know, like, that, basically saying, like, don't rock the boat. <laughs> yeah, with, I, I saw his movie. Yeah, and same with Dylan uh, Dylan Radigan. Dylan Radigan, yeah, who's fucking awesome. And he, there's a great video. And actually, you know, I'm going to drop the audio and uh, to this thing because probably a lot of people haven't seen that. But there's this great video of him, <clears throat> like screaming his head off about uh, how the, on, on MSNBC <laughs> about how the media just turns a blind eye to things that the Democrats do. And uh, not too long after, he was uh, fired. So you know, that's how that goes. Surprise! Surprise! Yep. We owe $70 trillion. I understand that. But it goes to to walk out a $4 trillion solution, which is basically just a way for the Democrats to avoid dealing with this until 2017. I'm not here to talk about plans to deal with this until 2017. I'm saying we've got a real problem, and I'm tired of Republicans and Democrats who either want Republicans who want to burn the place to the ground and Democrats, with all due respect, who want to offer a plan that gets it through the the end of their second term of their presidency and then screws me and my kids when it's over. And until we do that, we have to deal with the extraction that is at foot. It is the reason the financial markets are behaving the way they're behaving. That is a mathematical fact. This is not some opinion. This is a mathematical fact. Tens of trillions of dollars are being extracted from the United States of America. Democrats aren't doing it. Republicans are not doing it. An entire integrated system, financial system, trading system, taxing system that was created by both parties over a period of two decades is at work on our entire country right now. And we're sitting here arguing about whether we should do the $4 trillion plan that kicks the can down the road for the president for 2017 or burn the place to the ground, both of which are reckless, irresponsible, and stupid. 
And the fact of the matter is, until we actually, and I don't, and I'm sorry to lose my no, temper, no, and get, no, but no. I tell you what, I've been coming on TV for three years doing this. And the fact of the matter is that the re, there's a refusal on both the Democratic and the Republican side of the aisle to acknowledge the mathematical problem, which is that a, the United States of America is being extracted. It's being extracted through banking, it's being extracted through trade, and it's being extracted through taxation. And there's not a single politician that has stepped forward Susan, to deal yeah, with this. But there's uh, only one right now. The, the leader of the free world, whether you like it or not, the but, president of the United States is arguably one of the most powerful individuals we have out there. But and Susan, he's what our you're president. saying is exactly the point that Dylan is making. It's no. not about one guy. It's about all no, of them. No, I actually disagree. I think Dylan's saying it is about one guy. It is about one guy. What would you like him to do? I would like him to go to the people of the United States of America and say, people of the United States of America, your Congress is bought. Your Congress is incapable of making legislation on health care, banking, trade, or taxes, because if they do it, they will lose their political funding, and they won't do it. But I'm the President of the United States, and I won't have a country that is run by a bot Congress. So I'm not going to work with a bot Congress and try to be Mr. Big Guy. I'm working with the bot Congress. I'm going to abandon the bot Congress, like Teddy Roosevelt did, and I'm going to go to the people of the United States, and I'm going to say, you've got a bot Congress. And until we get rid of the bot Congress, which is Jimmy Williams constant point, which is get the money out of politics, and until a president says that's the problem and says he's going to fix it, there is no policy that I can possibly see, no matter how brilliant your idea may be, or your idea, or my idea, or her idea, or your idea at home, is that idea will not happen as long as there's the capacity to basically fire a politician who disagrees with me by taking funding away from him. Is that a fair assessment? Money in politics is the root of all political evil. It is corruption at its worst. And until we step up and kick that out of the park, it's going to be the same system all and only the president could do that. We're going to no, no, no. The Congress has to do it too. The Congress has to do it too. But I'll tell you what. How bad does it have to get? How much money has to be extracted? How many things have to be hurt? The brass tax. Okay, physically, what do you do? You go and give a speech. Right now. To, yeah, right now. Right now. You say. You say. And then what happens tomorrow? Tomorrow, what happens is you begin the process of actually investing in solving the problem. So I come out and I say, how I create an infrastructure bank with two percent blending immediately. There's that once I explain to people the problem, once I explain to you you have cancer, the re once you understand how screwed up your trade tax and banking policies are, believe me, you will have no issue when I incorporate an infrastructure bank that I fund with repatriated offshore money that I bring in and then use to create 2% direct lending to every business in America. Because when you realize that the banking system is fully corrupt and defrauding us, and I come out and say that, which is what I want my president to do, that, that at that exact moment, I say, you know what? we got a screwed up situation here, people. You all know it, and now what? I'm going to admit it. And as a result, not only have I admitted it, but we're going to begin the process of solving it like grown-ups. They did it in World War II. They did it after the Civil War. They did it in Latin America with the Brady Bonds. We are not seeing it happen now. The panel stays uh, a, a little more emotional than I anticipated getting at <laughs> work this afternoon, but what am I going to do? So I, I want to get to uh, I have a trio of stories quick from The uh, Intercept. Uh, First story is from Lee Fang. Uh, Democratic superdelegate in room full of health insurance executives laughs off prospect of single payer. Uh, activists across the country have provided real momentum to the idea of a single payer healthcare system, pressing the issue in California uh, and among leading figures in the Democratic Party. 
The mere prospect of single payer, however, has elifted, uh, has elicited uh, swift derision from some corners of the party. With Dick Gephardt, the former Democratic House Minority Leader, laughing off the idea uh, at a health insurance conference earlier this month. <clears throat> uh, not in my lifetime, scoffed Gephardt when asked if the United States will ever adopt such a system. Uh, that's possibly because he's like a, you know, ancient, you know, piece of shit who's probably going <laughs> to die, die super soon. So he's probably right, but um, he didn't. that's not why he was saying it. Uh, Gephardt, who serves as a Democratic superdelegate responsible for choose. Oh, by the way, if, if you guys don't know, Dick Gephardt was the House Minority Leader for like a million years. He was in the Senate for almost 30 years. He was the House Minority Leader, House Majority Leader in the 90s when the Democrats took the House um, and was succeeded by Nancy Pelosi. So he's been a Democratic leader for years. He retired in 2005. And immediately went into lobbying, like the month he retired. So just, you know, that's who he is. And that's who <laughs> the Democrats thought was a good leader for them. He's uh, 76 years old. Yeah. Look, oh, so he's actually not as old as I thought. But yeah, so he <laughs> retired in 2005 to go into lobbying. <clears throat> or to spend more time with his family. Uh, who knew, you know, who, who who's to say? Um, <clears throat> Gephardt, who serves as a Democratic superdelegate, responsible for choosing the party's presidential nominee was asked about the possibility of single-payer at the Centene Corporation uh, Annual Investor Day Conference at the Pierre, a ritzy five-star hotel in New York City. Centene, which merged with HealthNet two years ago, is a health insurance company that sells coverage in 28 states. At the conference, which included investors and Centene executives as well as lobbyists, an unidentified participant asked Gephardt about whether the industry should fear being replaced by a single-payer system. Such a move, the questioner remarked, would present an existential threat. Uh, existential threat. Uh, there is no way you could pass a single-payer in any immediate future, Gephardt declared. Uh, America, he added, has the greatest healthcare system in the world, bar none. Um, just pulling that out of his ass, because that's not even st remotely statistically true. Uh, and that's true for him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he, he has great health care, I'm sure. Uh, and a great pension, <clears throat> which doesn't even exist rich. anymore. Which doesn't even if exist anymore. But think about it, Anthony. If you're, if you're wealthy, we, have, we do have the greatest health care system in the world. You can get around everything. That's true. You can get yeah. ahead of everyone. Yeah, which is the, the unspoken truth that they'll never say but actually believe. Um, and while single-payer would provide... Universal coverage, there would be less quality and innovation without the, quote, involvement of the private sector, which is an actual phrase a fucking Democratic leader said to a room full of insurance lobbyists. Was that Mitch McConnell? Yeah, right? <laughs> I, I, it, literally, this sounds like Ted Cruz. Like, <clears throat> uh, Haley Barber, the former... Let's go hang out with Paul. What? What Does he hang out with Paul Ryan? Yeah, right? Ugh. Um, Haley Barber, the former RNC chair, another speaker at the event, chimed in to agree. Here, here, put me down as agreeing with leader Gephardt as usual, Barber chuckled. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, still want to tell me there's a difference between the two parties? Um, the claim that single-payer suppresses innovation is an old argument that does not stand up to scrutiny. Most medical innovation in the U.S., uh, most medical innovations in the U.S. are already government-funded through universities receiving federal subsidies and grants, uh, as well as through the National Institutes of Health. 
A single-payer insurance system like Medicare would simply negotiate for lower prices from providers and would likely steer savings towards greater investments in research and development. Claims about lower quality care are also highly disputed, given that the countries with single-payer uh, and tightly regulated universal healthcare systems perform much higher than the U.S. in a range of uh, health outcomes. Sorry. You fucking believe? How, like that, it's insane. He is a it's fucking, insane. It, it, that's such, it's such a disastrous bill for anyone trying. I mean, that's yeah. That's I so, wouldn't have been able to graduate high school because I didn't have anything lined up. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, so I took some. <clears throat> you know, I took a little bit of time off. It ended up only being like six months, and then I got myself a job in the uh, the garment industry in the fashion industry, and then ended up going to school for it after I started working. Yeah. You know, what's wrong with that? No, absolutely nothing. And it's 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 psychotic. Now and... I have a pretty good career compared to like other people our age. Yeah, no, absolutely. You do. You, yeah, so that's exactly. And it's just psychotic to, to require that out of uh, uh, you should be incentivizing people to graduate, not not actually hurting graduation numbers because that the, their graduation graduation rate will go down because of that, because not everyone's going to be able to get into college and not everyone's going to be able to find a job out of high school because... Yeah. I, I mean, why doesn't that dope just make a program for people who don't know what they want to do with their lives or they can, like, you know, like, maybe apprentice at a few different places yeah. or give them education on different jobs or finance or, Rama. you know, or, or even real estate, like, just random industries, you know? Rama we should do more apprenticing, man. Yeah, no, it's true. Um... Yeah, Ron Emanuel's fucking terrible. But, um, he's terrible. He's, I don't know how he keeps getting elected, man. Ugh. I, I asked the same question about a lot of New York Democrats, too. True. Well, Cuomo especially. but Oh, yeah. Cuomo. And what about Chucky Schumer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we, met, we met Robin uh, Wilson, who, who uh, tried to run against him in 2016. She was a Green Party yeah. candidate. But, uh, I was sure. Yeah, it's tough to get any kind of traction. Uh, against like these you know they have so much money that's that's really the answer they have so oh, much yeah, money he's, they, he's totally the machine you know they can crush you you know no matter how yeah. much better you are in policy yeah um she can sing too we found out <laughs> yeah, yeah she was great um, she's a good singer she is um she's yeah. awesome yeah shout out hopefully we'll have her on the show yeah yeah that'd be fun i'll, I'll, I'll get she in touch a friend with of the show she is a, <laughs> she's a friend of, of our voice so she's definitely a friend of the show <laughs> um, so yeah, so so Elizabeth Warren uh, called it the natural next step. Uh, obstacles though persist. Uh, see what he did there? That was clever. Um, when, <laughs> when Colorado debated a ballot measure to adopt a uh, single payer during the election last year, a small army of Democratic Party consultants descended upon the state to help healthcare <clears throat> industry interests defeat the measure. Uh, as The Intercept's David uh, Dyden explained, there are structural budgetary constraints, uh, constraints embedded in the California Constitution that must be revised to make any type of single-payer plan possible. Uh, other hurdles exist, too, including waivers from the federal government, an unlikely scenario under President Trump. Uh, in the past, the health insurance industry has deployed sophisticated propaganda efforts to divide single-payer proponents and weaken any political support for the idea. Former Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton once considered such a system, but wondered, is there any force on the face of the earth that would counter the money the insurance industry would spend to defeat it? 
Um, I don't know. Uh, it would be nice if you tried uh, to, to find that out, but uh, you, you gave up on that idea. So uh, Gephardt notably became a corporate lobbyist after serving as a populist Democratic lawmaker from Missouri. So it's the Howard Dean all over again. I was going to say, cough, cough, Howard Dean, cough, cough, cough. <laughs> His clients have included... Yeah, how crushing would that be if Bernie like left Congress and went into lobbying? Like that would just be so crushing. It would never happen, <laughs> but um, well, it depends. I guess it would depend on what he's lobbying for. That's at that true. Point. Yeah, yeah. It depends. If you're lobbying against progressive causes, it's one thing. If you're lobbying, you know, if he's just lobbying and saying, "I need you to join me on single payer," <laughs> <laughs> then I'm all about that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, our revolution is doing a great job, uh, you know, finding candidates and winning elections, which is something that the Democratic Party has not been able to do lately. So, uh, our oh, revolution... did you see that Nina Turner interview on um, on uh, Jimmy Dore? <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was from that me. Was awesome. Yeah, um, and hopefully, uh, we might be uh, talking to somebody who uh, is involved with our revolution pretty soon. So. Uh, Keep your uh, keep, yeah. Keep your eyes out or ears out for, uh, you know, keep an eye out for that in your uh, podcast feed. <clears throat> uh, so Gephardt notably became a corporate lobbyist after serving as a populist Democratic lawmaker from Missouri. His incli- his clients have included Peabody, Cole, and Goldman Sachs, among others. <laughs> <laughs> he also serves on the board of Centene, receiving an annual compensation of around three hundred and fifteen thousand dollars in cash and stock awards. Which is like twice as much as he made per year as a congressman. So that's you, it. <laughs> well, that's just on the surface. We don't know what other kind of money he's accepting for his lobbying efforts. So yeah, that guy was a Democratic leader, and that's the kind of shit that he got that he's getting up to right now. So if if you wonder why we say that the party is actually trying to fight single payer health care and nobody believes us and, and says, oh well they they just think it's smarter the smarter strategy to fight for Obamacare and then fight for single payer. Yeah, I, I will direct you to that guy. I will direct you to the Podestas. I will direct you to any one of a, a thousand Democratic operatives who are actively fighting what what you know they the the party's claiming to support and what we're uh all championing and what we're fighting for on the ground. So Again, yeah. What about Hillary Clinton during the 2016 campaign? You can direct them there too. <laughs> That's also true, because you know, single yeah. payer will never ever come to pass. Um, which is, gonna I mean, be... she, she did try in her. I have to. I don't want to defend her, but I mean, in her defense, she did try twice. She tried. The same way Nancy Pelosi tried, and all these people tried in the 90s before the money started flowing in. I mean, that's right when the money yeah. did start flowing in, but. It, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's been on steroids since Citizens United, you know, there's yeah, been, 2009. there's been money in politics since like the, since like the late seventies, but, um, it's just been on steroids since, yeah, like since the mid two thousands. So you see all these people who were like, well, I was supporting single payer years ago, uh, which is why I'm not going to support it now. And I'm going to support this bullshit right wing healthcare plan that we have, um, so, you know, you wonder why, and uh, it's not too hard when you follow the money to figure out why some of these people might oppose it. It's not a moral opposition. It's a, well, gee, I get paid a lot to not really have a strong opinion on single-payer health care. So I'm just going to kind of quietly fight that and quietly lobby state houses to not pass this, even though I claim to support it. So, you know, 
we we're fighting a, a two front war. We're, we're you know we're fighting on a war on all fronts, which is never a good situation in warfare. Um, <laughs> especially when you're as progressives are the the most powerless group in the country because we have no fucking money and no power right now. But <laughs> yeah, um, corporations don't support us. <laughs> no, no, corporations don't support us. The right wing obviously wouldn't support us, and the left wing establishment doesn't support us. So it's like. Hey, yeah. Anthony, do you think it's a coincidence that, um, you know, Obama's reelection, which is, the, I believe, the first election to break a billion dollars, first right. presidential election to break a billion dollars? Do you think there's any coincidence with the fact that, that was the first presidential election after Citizens United was passed? <laughs> I, I think that's probably a coincidence. I don't think those two are related. I don't, I don't even know why you'd suggest that. But, um... <laughs> That's why the Democrats are okay with it. You know, they benefited from it. They also, I, I also read somewhere, I can't remember where anymore at this point, but um, that allegedly um, Hillary Clinton's camp, you know, people on her side somewhere, uh, tried to get some laws passed, um, election, election laws, where they could get more donations from, like, shadier places. Yeah, well, she's always tried to funnel money through her foundation and through, you know, onward to get all, all these groups that she creates and all these, uh, you know, a lot of people have looked into all these new groups that are forming in, in the, in the wake of the election groups, like run for something and all that. And they're all getting dark money funding from, you know, her lobbying buddies. So it's, you know, it's not surprising that it's one big money train in the party. And we, we see what it's the results of it. We don't see necessarily where it's going, you know, because it's not very transparent even though, you know, we're, we're all about transparency in the Democratic Party. But, um, well, not really, because we have a crisis in transparency. We do have this. <laughs> um, but we see the results of it. I mean, we see people like this who are actively fighting for what the party claims to support. So, you know, if you wonder why these things aren't happening and why we keep losing, it's not because we don't have good ideas. We have ideas that most of the country supports. We're, you know, <clears throat> we're a progressive country when it comes to the issues. But we have people within the own party or within our own party literally trying to sabotage it. So you wonder why stuff like this doesn't pass. Um, but I have another story actually from The Intercept about another Democratic strategist uh, <laughs> who is doing horrible, uh, horrible work. He's doing the Lord's work. Yeah, he's doing the Lord's work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to get hate mail over that oh, one, huh? Okay. Me. You know what? <laughs> Please, I'm sure we've said We so don't many. have enough listeners yet to get hate mail. <laughs> no, I, I, I see a couple things trickle in. Not hate mail, but like people talking about the podcast. So I'm sure if we see something super brazen, I'm surprised we haven't gotten criticized for our Russia talk yet, but I'm sure that's coming. Well, you were called a Putin puppet that's, today. That's true. So yeah, we're, <laughs> nope. we're, 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 we're moving up in the world. Never um, forget, 7-7. Seven, seven. <laughs> <laughs> you were called a Putin puppet. Okay, I'm going to stop. Uh, the... Okay, so this is another story from The Intercept from Lee Fang. Uh, Clinton strategist Mark Penn pushes Democrats to move center and, and quietly profits from GOP victories. Now, I don't know if you saw this before I even get the, to this article. He wrote this horrible, stupid article. Uh, oh, I read it. You read Oh, my God. Oh, what yeah. A crock of I shit did my research for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> About how the Democrats, the only way forward is to abandon... You know, it's funny. He actually wanted to abandon things that progressives are supporting and the things that liberals are liberals are supporting. The things that we kind of argue about. He's like, you need to uh, 
abandon uh, economic populism, which, you know, fuck you, because that's the only way forward for the party. And then yeah, he's like, fuck, you know, the thing that helps Democrats win <laughs> yeah. throughout since the 1930s. And then he's like, and you also need to abandon identity politics, which is the only thing that, that, <laughs> that you know, the Mick resistance wants to talk about. So it's like, well, what do you want us to support? Do you just want us to be Republicans? Like, what the fuck is the... And, you yeah, know, I... secular Republicans, basically, yeah, you know? Yeah, and I say that as a joke, but um, let me get to this article, because I might that may not be a joke. Um, Democrats would do best if they abandoned broad economic reforms and a more leftward political program, argued Mark Penn, a strategist best known for advising Bill and Hillary Clinton in the pages of the New York Times opinion section. So in the lefty New York Times, this this is the piece they ran. Um, uh, Penn wrote that the Democratic Party must move to the center. Uh, I, 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 can we move any further? I mean, they'd have to move backwards to move to the center. They'd have to move left to move to the center at this point. But um, so the party must move to the center and reject these siren calls of the left. You hear that? We're, 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 <laughs> we're a siren call right now on the, on the left. <laughs> Uh, we're alarmists at, at the fact that they've lost 1,100 fucking seats in nine years. But, you know, whatever. We're, we're just being ridiculous. Um, progressives have long viewed Penn with deep skepticism, noting that he has repeatedly used his close ties to Democratic officials as a vehicle for promoting his corporate clients. But there's another wrinkle to Penn's advice. He now invests in Republican advocacy, for advocacy firms and profits from the electoral defeat of Democrats. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, in March, Penn's investment firm Stagwell Media LLC announced that it had acquired a minority stake in Targeted Victory, a major Republican digital consulting company. Targeted Victory, founded by personnel <clears throat> from Mitt Romney's 2012 presidential campaign, was provided consulting services for Donald Trump's presidential campaign. Uh, more recently, following Penn's investment in the firm, Targeted Victory assisted Republican Karen Handel in her successful campaign against Democrat John Ossoff in the Georgia special election last month. So, before I continue reading, this guy is literally investing in Republicans in in these close races. Like he 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 put money into Karen Handel's campaign. It but he's a Democratic strategist. And he by the way, he he he's the one in 2008 when Hillary ran in 2008 who advised her not to apologize for her Iraq war vote. That's his claim right. to fame. That's how fucking stupid this moron is. His other claim to fame is losing to Obama when he was running Hillary's campaign in 2008. Yeah, that's that's also true. And w who beat him? Somebody on the left of Hillary. So, you know, for anyone that says that <laughs> Hillary is not a fucking Republican, I mean, look at the people she surrounds herself. We, we, we've said that so many times because we've so cited so many examples, but... Look at the people her and the party at large and the party orthodoxy surround themselves with. Literal Republicans, people that work for the Republican Party. Um, several... Why? I mean, she just said that she admires Henry Kissinger. There's nothing <laughs> Republican about that. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I would not be proud to call uh, Henry Chris Kissinger a friend of mine. And uh, <laughs> Henry Kissinger is not a friend of mine. <laughs> you know my favorite Bernie quote of all time when he said yeah, that, that turned into Bernie. Pretty good. That was pretty good. And you know, Harry you know, is a fucking war criminal. Like, let's not mince words. He's like a horrible human being. You know, if Hillary wanted to unite the party, right? Yeah. You know how Bernie said, "I'm sick and tired of hearing about your damn emails." Yeah. With this whole bullshit investigation into Bernie's wife, Hillary could come out and say, "I'm sick and tired of hearing about this bullshit." Yeah. 
But and, and you know how I, good would that make her look, man? It, it would, even if she didn't mean it. But yeah, no, because she loves this because it's this is totally fucking being pushed by the establishment left to discredit yep. the most popular politician in America who's probably going to run in 2020. By the way, this and I, I didn't even want to do a story Who's on it. for their team. Yeah, I know, but the, but the, but he doesn't really because he wants things that they don't want, like actual change. Um, but they could leech votes off him. They could leech, leech fundraising off him. They could use him. They're, they're just they're, too stupid. They're, they're trying to do both, I think, but they're they're so stupid that they can't figure it out. But so I didn't even want to give uh, air to that. I almost prepared a story on that, but uh, turns out that whole story, the guy who. Uh, brought it up to in the first place, admitted that it was hearsay and he has no proof of it. By the way, the guy who, who made this claim uh, and brought it to investigators was a uh, Republican from the Vermont Senate who fucking hated Bernie Sanders and was a yeah. political opponent, and this is politically motivated. So for all you people who say that every Clinton scandal was politically motivated and made up, this is that to a T. So, you know, just... When you hear idiots, especially people who believe whatever the establishment media tells them, talk about the story as like, oh, well, I don't know, Jane Sanders, it's bullshit. It's total bullshit. When you look into the facts of it, it crumbles. There's no proof of anything, and there's well, not... like Bernie said, you know, they can't even come after him, so now they're coming after his fa- his wife. Yeah, who's not a, so dirty? Who's not even a politician, by the way? So even oh. if she had done that. It has no bearing on Bernie as a politician because he, but I, but obviously she, you know, there's no shady business going on. She made a bad, de- a bad uh, deal on a loan for the college she worked for, um, which maybe makes her, you know, maybe not super great at running a college, but doesn't mean that she's a criminal and also doesn't mean that Bernie had anything to do with it. It's just a whole, it's, it's a total bullshit story. I don't want to have nothing. I don't even want to give it any airtime, but um, yeah. So Penn's opinion column sparked a number of rebuttals on social media, with many pointing to his disastrous role advising Hillary Clinton during the 2008 primaries as a major yep. as a major reason people should distrust Penn's advice. Uh, according to one report, Penn designed Clinton's strategy based on the false assumption that California's primary awarded delegates on a winner-take-all basis. He doesn't even know how the fucking yep. elections work. Uh, instead of a proportional system, such basic mistakes by the Clinton campaign were reportedly pivotal in Barack Obama's primary victory. Maybe we can get this guy back to whoever the establishment is going to try to run in 2020, because I would love to run against this guy. <laughs> um, while Penn gained a new fortune by advising Microsoft in more recent years, he has slowly grown uh, an investment portfolio that includes several lobbying and public affairs firms. Penn also owns SKD... Knickerbocker, a Democrat-run company that develops policy campaigns on behalf of corporate clients, including for-profit colleges, AT&T, and Herbalife, which is like the biggest Ponzi scheme in America. (laughs) So yeah, again, these are the people that the Democrats surround themselves with. He's getting eaten alive in the comments section of that article. And (laughs) another thing I want to bring up is he didn't even write the article by himself. Like the article is poorly written. I don't know if you read his actual article, but it's pretty poorly written. I read about half of it. I was just, I, I couldn't. I was just like, this is fucking trash, but yeah. It's poorly written. It's really short. It is. It's. It took two of them to write it. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a cheap shot. No, but, it's uh, true, though. Yeah. It, it's, it's people, <laughs> I swear to God. I mean, he's just like, here's one comment really quick. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, but Penn and Stein are delivering a message that is glib and wrong. Democrats have been losing because of most of them have not embraced the progressive agenda at all. 
you yeah. know. You know, it's funny. Um, this is this article was the rare thing that uh, united progressives and uh, liberals because, like, the like the, even like the Hillary fans were like super pissed about him saying that they should abandon identity politics. So basically, everyone fucking piled on. There, like, nobody liked this article except maybe like moderate Republicans. Like, I can't imagine anyone. Like, th- that was actually a funny thing that people were tweeting out. Like that, who generally can't stand each other. So this is like the one issue that unites all. One person wrote, I find this editorial very disturbing. It reads like a disinformation campaign. (laughs) You know, they they say it as a joke, but uh, considering that he is, you know, consulting for people like Karen Handel, that doesn't, that wouldn't surprise me if it was, you know. Yeah, another person, Bernie Sanders had 20K and 30K standing in line for hours a year before the election, and you think we need to turn into Republicans? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these are the, this is what his own piece. These mm-hmm. are the comments in the New York Times. Yeah, yeah. And somebody else, this is the third or fourth editorial by conservatives in the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And people wonder why nobody respects journalism anymore, because you have people like this working at your fucking, you know, institutions. It's like... Um, you know, this. like, Anthony, I wouldn't even... If if they were giving, every like, all sides the ability to write a piece, like yeah. if they were giving somebody from the Sanders campaign... They never know, give progressives. No. no, if they let Nita Turner write a piece at the same time... Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Then it would be... Then it would actually be real journalism. instead it's just like let's get a corporate lobbyist in here it's their false dichotomy and we talked about it even when we were talking about the the gop healthcare bill it's like they talk to a right-wing lunatic who wants to decimate healthcare, and then they talk to a health insurance lobbyist who wants to keep the aca in place it's like where's the guy or girl talking about single payer where's the person talking about how broken the for-profit healthcare industry is like nobody that's it's the false left-right dichotomy. It's really just a right-center dichotomy that they always play on, and they never give any kind of credence to any ideas that are left of center. It's like, yeah, it's almost as if all all um, newspapers are owned by you know wealthy people who have an agenda. It's yeah, almost it's, as it's if weird. I don't know. It's it's, yeah. it's weird. It's almost, almost as if the Washington Post. Bezos... <laughs> you know, I have to go for it. We both. We, that's like the first thing we both think. Of. <laughs> yeah, it's almost Which, as if. By somebody... the way, that party you brought up, Lolly Wetworth or whatever the hell her name yeah, is, wait, wait, her, wait. was it her grandparents who started the Washington Post? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Steven Spielberg, by the way, making a movie about them. Uh, yeah, 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 he was there. He was there, I know. So, yeah. Off, off Neolib. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been a fun party, I'm sure. <laughs> My God, I know, right? What I would, an have, I, I would have loved to have been just like the valet at that party. Can you imagine the tips from the, from the fucking party go? yeah oh right God. i mean then again you know believe it or salary. not believe it or not that age group like you know baby boomer because that's yeah. who was there i mean yeah, we've yeah. heard the you know i'm sure there was various ages but that age group oh, doesn't tip so well yeah believe oh, yeah. it or not I, i've heard believe that, it or I've not millennials tip really well <laughs> yeah, because we all know that we, no none of us have any fucking money and we know that we have to help each other out that generation is raised to believe bullshit and you know about bootstraps and all that stuff. My so taxes not... are too high on my home. It's yeah, home. <laughs> yeah, really. Ugh. All right. Well, 
I, you know, I have one more story I want to get to. Um, oh, we have to do a piece on that, by the way, when we have time. I found all these crazy statistics about housing in America. We got to do a piece on it. It's insane. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do eventually want to get to a point where we're putting together our own pieces on um, on topics, but that you know takes some time. So we'll we'll work on that and uh, we'll yeah, maybe I can piece together all these these statistics I found and we can do something on it because it's gonna blow your mind when you see it. <laughs> I was literally screaming. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh God. All right. Um. So uh, one last piece. This is also from the Intercept. This is from Glenn Greenwald. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so two from Lee Fong and one from Glenn Greenwald. Glenn Greenwald, yeah. No, that, All yeah. right. Intercept's killing it. They've been. They are. They're st- they're stepping up in the void left by any semblance of actual intelligent or impartial reporting. No, and everybody's using them, by the way, as a source. They are, yeah. Even to the point where they're be there, people are trying to send them, you know, false documents and discredit them, but they're they seem that that they just have a great response always to these sorts of things. Um, and, but, um, by the way, there were people pissed at them because they, you know, they ran that article about how California, we, we talked about it a little last week on the lost episode that, that, that got, that didn't, that got corrupted, oh, yeah. um, about how, you know, California single payer advocates are lying to their base and yeah, yeah I read that piece. Um, but, uh, and you know, and that guy was actually on Jimmy Dor- on aggressive progressives this week with Jimmy and he interviewed him and they, you know, it was a fair interview, but they, and they disagreed a little bit. He his points were were stronger in that than than in the piece. In the piece, he kind of comes off as smug and like. I was gonna say, yeah, he does um, come off a little smug. I was like, I don't know if I like you. When I was reading this, <laughs> his explanations were a lot better on Jimmy's show. That being said, the CNA, the head of the CNA, the uh, California Nurses Association, came on after to rebut him, and he tore holes in, in all of his arguments about. You know that well the, about the the Prop ninety eight, which says that fifty percent of all budgeting needs to go towards education. Well, that's you know technically true, but it's you can get around it with a ballot measure. There's so many little things that, and it's not necessarily his fault. I don't think he was intentionally lying, but uh, he was parroting lines that were maybe strictly speaking true, but not necessarily insurmountable and not something that should have been an acceptable answer to people that claim that they support single payer like Anthony Rendon claimed he did, even though he literally shelved and killed the bill when he could have sent it to assembly to be voted on and then sent into the healthcare committee to be amended. Like it's, it's a total farce to say that, you know, well, because the bill was incomplete, we're not going to vote on it. But you know, that's a whole, it's a whole thing. When does that stop them? Yeah. Right. I know. (laughs) Um, and it wasn't no, a vote but seriously to... they do all those propositions that are like halfway figured out yeah and they'll just make them happen you know yeah they well, um, the oversimplify point... no i know what you mean though but yeah and the whole point was that was the pill perfect no but it could have been sent into committee and amended and fixed and you know or he could have said okay i'm gonna veto this but i'm writing my own bill yeah that's also what he could have done yeah, and, and and like that was the the point that Jimmy was making. It's like you're blaming the nurses. They're not. It's not their job to write fucking legislation. They wrote this because they they care about this issue so deeply. It's your job as legislators to, to write bills. And if you care about this issue, write your own goddamn single payer bill and pass it. Like, why are you 
using and a how bill. How come people aren't listening to the nurses about healthcare? Yeah, I know. Uh-uh. <laughs> you know, like, don't they know a thing or two about healthcare? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, really. Like, you think they want to dismantle the healthcare industry? Of course not. They want to <laughs> see it actually succeed, like it does in every other modern industrialized nation. Um, no, I they... know nurses do so much. Ugh, I know. My mother's a nurse. Really? Oh. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've, I've and, nurses uh... in my family—they're they're great what they do. Yeah, she's a nurse here in New, in New York. I guess I should say where. I <laughs> <laughs> um, I need is people harassing my poor mommy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's one more story I want to get to. Uh, it is, as I said, also an intercept piece from Glenn Greenwald. Um, and I, I want to talk about this because, uh, you know, TYT did a, a cover, did coverage of this story. And I really, and, and I like to, I like TYT a lot. I thought they did like a terrible job covering this, Jank included. I thought his take was so not only wrong-headed, but in purposely disingenuous. Like they they left out a lot of important details to the. St- All right, well let me let me read the story and then we'll talk about it. Um, CNN warns it may expose uh, an anonymous critic if he ever again publishes bad content. <laughs> A controversy erupted late Tuesday night after CNN published an article announcing that it had uncovered the identity of the anonymous Reddit user who created the video of President Donald Trump punching a CNN logo, um, which is a, which is a real headline that I'm reading in 2017. Um, I know that video. I gotta say, it was hysterical. Oh, so it was it's really, fucking really hilarious. Funny. Yeah. So people acting like this is some act of violence against journalism. First of all, CNN is not journalism. Like don't, don't <laughs> you know? Like, let's be real. CNN is infotainment. It is not journalism. There's not a goddamn journalist that works at that place. You know, except maybe like guest contributors. Maybe Anthony what Bourdain. What about Wolf Blitzer? Yeah, yeah. Wolf... Anthony Bourdain is a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. He's, he's actually he's actually super progressive. Apparently, I you know I haven't seen much of his politics work, but it makes sense. He's a world traveler. He like you know. Oh also an ex-drug addict you know yeah. so you would think he'd be against the war on drugs because yeah. he you know he understands but, but that struggle I, i've heard he's like a real deal progressive so that's pretty cool nice yeah um and actually i like w kamal bell a lot too he has that show united shades of america on there uh seen it or heard of him he's uh he's like a stand-up comedian uh he's that he's that black dude he, but he goes around he went and like hung out with the kkk in, in like the first episode. <laughs> he goes into like situations that he's not comfortable with to like document the the realities of America basically. That's the concept of the show. And it's really good. It's like, you know, it's funny and it's like moving at times. It's it's the best thing that that's on that piece of shit network. So definitely <laughs> check that out if it's on when you're when you're flipping through channels. <clears throat> um so yeah, so contra- so after they tweeted, and by the way, that that gif uh, was I, the, the one thing. The one thing Jenk said that it made me crazy was like, "Oh, well, that wasn't even really Donald Trump. It was Donald Trump." I'll tell you, I know for a fact because I was watching when this happened. It was at WrestleMania twenty three, and it was the <laughs> Battle of the Billionaires. It was Vince McMahon. <laughs> it was. Are you kidding me? No, no, no. It was so okay. So what happened That's was too good. So Vince McMahon. So there was a storyline where Donald Trump. Uh, bought the WWE, or he bought Monday Night Raw, which is like their flagship show, like in storyline, right? And he would yeah. show up at randomly, and like, and Vince was like, Vince McMahon was like, fur- this is all in the storyline, was like furious at him and trying to, you know, win the company back and like, you know, win it, get it back from him or whatever. So they determined for control of the company, 
they would have the battle of the billionaires but since they're all you know geriatric old fucks they couldn't fight each other so they had like surrogates so like vince had his wrestler that he selected and then trump had his guy uh who, who whose name he couldn't even remember when he was on larry king by the way he says oh my that uh african-american gentleman uh bobby something <laughs> that that was representing him um Oh, his African American? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he was. By African American. Um, so no, and and the fight was like whoever loses gets control, or whoever wins gets control of the company, and the loser has to have their head shaved. So that's that's why there's that that picture of Vince McMahon getting his head shaved by Donald Trump and Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> so. Oh my God. But yeah, no, it really was Trump. He like he he did a horrible tackle and punch combo on Vince McMahon, and it was like. Uh, it was funny at the time, uh, not realizing that he would later become our fucking president. But, um... Oh yeah, that video is hilarious. <laughs> and the one, then the meme they made about CNN is hilarious. Yeah, sorry, exactly. but it's funny. It's funny. It's funny, and them getting all pissy about it and acting all indignant about it led to the creation of about six thousand more of those memes. So I hope they they feel. It's like the least offensive thing the guy's ever said. <laughs> no, I know it really is. And it, it's just so funny because, like, them complaining about it caused people to make thousands more funny gifs of that of that same kind of thing. Like, somebody photoshopped CNN's head onto one of the Cobra Kai people from the Karate Kid. You know, at the end of the movie where he, like, crane kicks the guy? It's like CNN. <laughs> There's so many funny gifs like that. I'm just like, you idiots did this. Yeah, yeah, you idiots did this to yourself. I mean, um so let me get to the article though because that yeah i hope ralph machio has a comeback by the way he's great <laughs> <laughs> he's from long island you know <laughs> is he i haven't yeah. seen him in anything since like 19 you know 85 or whatever yeah whatever. but my cousin Vinny is great yeah the karate kid's great he needs a comeback <laughs> yeah yeah definitely <laughs> um so cnn and other outlets have previously reported that this user who uses a pseudonym uh Han Asshole Solo, which is a weird pseudonym, <laughs> but it's um, <laughs> um, also post, so redundant. It's very redundant, yeah, because Han Solo is an asshole. Like that's his whole, <laughs> that's yeah, the entirety that's of his character. Um, so has uh, also uh, so uh, Han Asshole Solo had also posted anti-Semitic and racist content on Reddit. Uh, and what, none of this is relevant, by the way, to the fact that he created a GIF. Like, this is totally irrelevant. There's so many assholes who post dumb things on the internet. Um, including an image uh, identifying all of the Jewish employees of CNN designated with a Jewish star next to their photos. <laughs> so, yeah, he's not, so a great, terrible. he's not a great guy. He's like a horrible fucking guy. But that I mean, he's obviously an anti-Semite. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, he's a Trump supporter. I mean, what do you expect? You know, <laughs> he's, he's one of those Trump supporters. Um, though CNN decided for now not to reveal his name, the network made clear that this discretion was predicated on the user's lengthy public apology, his promise not to repeat this behavior, and his status as a private citizen. But in its article, the network explicitly threatened that it could change its mind about withholding the user's real name if his behavior changes in the future. And this is from the actual article that CNN publishes their little byline at the bottom. CNN is not publishing Han Asshole Solo's name because he is a private citizen who has issued an extensive statement of apology, showed his remorse by saying he has taken down all offending posts, and because he said he is not going to repeat this ugly behavior on social media again. In addition, he said that his statement could serve as an example to others not to do the same. 
CNN reserves the right to publish his identity should any of that change. So if he decides to post mean things on the internet again, we can dox this guy and subject him to abuse from probably thousands of people, maybe even death threats, is essentially what that's saying. Um, so several of the objections made to CNN's conduct here appear to be false. Uh, uh, that includes, and by the way, a lot of this was going around a lot at the time that the guy was 15 years old, which, you know, that was initially what was reported, uh, which turned out to later be false. But that doesn't change anything. It's still a private citizen who a massive corporation was threatening to publicly out because he made something that, you know, hurt their feelings online. So just keep that in mind. Um, and he did put a really anti-Semitic meme out there. <laughs> no, he did, of course. And he's not, he's a fucking asshole. And I shouldn't have to defend him, but the company is literally used... Well, here, let me get through the article. We'll, we'll talk about him a little bit. Um, so uh, that includes the claim by the president's son, Donald Trump Jr., that the user threatened by CNN is 15 years old. The CNN reporter, uh, Andrew uh, K. File Kaczynski, said that the Reddit user is an adult. Uh, the claim that CNN blackmailed the user into apologizing, expressed by a Twitter hashtag CNN blackmail, uh, that still sits <laughs> that still sits at the top of trending topics on the site, seems dubious at best, since there is no evidence that the user spoke to CNN before posting his apology. Though CNN itself, by the way, there's an update to this that actually contradicts that, but they left that in there for transparency's sake, um, because the Intercept's an actual fucking journalistic publication and not a hack uh news agency like most of the other news agencies um though cnn self says it contacted the user the day before he posted the apology which presumably means he knew cnn had found out his name when he posted it uh but the invalidity of those particular accusations does not exonerate cnn there's something self-evidently creepy bullying and heavy-handed about it a large news organization publicly announcing that it will expose someone's identity if he ever again publishes content on the internet that the network deems inappropriate or objectionable. Whether it was CNN's intent or not, the article makes it appear as if CNN will be monitoring the citizen's online writing and will punish him with exposure if he writes something the network dislikes. Yeah, that was the point I was making. Uh, there is something untoward about the fact that CNN, the subject of the original video, was the news outlet that uncovered his identity. Uh, that fact creates the appearance of vengeance. If you, even as a random and anonymous internet user, post content critical of CNN, then it will use its vast corporate resources to investigate you, uncover your identity, and then threaten to expose you if you ever do so again. Whatever the intent, this is a case where one of the nation's most powerful media corporations is explicitly threatening a critic with exposure should he publish material that the network deems, based on its own secret standards, to be worthy of punishment. And the threat comes in the wake of his groveling, uh, groveling public apology posted less than a day after he learned that CNN had discovered his identity. Uh, <laughs> there is also a real question uh, about whether a news organization, when deciding what information is newsworthy, should take into account factors such as whether someone is remorseful for what they said and whether they promise not to express similar views in the future. Those considerations seem to be the province of those vested with power to punish bad behavior, apparent police officer or judge, rather than a news outlet. Uh, all of this has a strong whiff of CNN deciding who is a good boy and who is a bad boy based on the content of their views. I, I love Glenn, Glenn Greenwald's a great writer. Uh, and doling out journalistic punishments and rewards accordingly. 
Um, moreover, if this person's name is newsworthy on the ground that racists or others who post inflammatory content should be publicly exposed and vilified, does it matter if he expressed what CNN executives regarded as sufficient remorse? And if his name is not newsworthy, then why should CNN be threatening to reveal it in the event that he makes future utterances that the network dislikes? Um, and then just one more thing. They, they updated the story because more info came out. And they initially claimed that CNN had not uh, talked to him before he put up his apology. Uh, this is an update. CNN just issued a statement in response to the controversy its article provoked. CNN decided not to publish the name of the Reddit user out of concern for his safety. Any assertion that the network blackmailed or coerced him is false. The user, who is an adult male, not a 15-year-old boy, <laughs> apologized and deleted his account before ever speaking with our reporter. CNN, before ever, keep that in mind, before ever speaking with our reporter. CNN never made any deal or any of any kind with this user. In fact, CNN included its in its decision, uh, included its decision to withhold the user's identity in an effort to be completely transparent that there was no deal. All of these claims are, and this is now back to Glenn. All of these claims are included in this article. But to, uh, note two key points: while the Reddit user's apology was posted before he spoke to any CNN reporter, he posted it after he was contacted by CNN which means he knew when he was publicly apologized, uh, he knew when he publicly apologized that the network had unearthed his identity, and more importantly, CNN's claim that it merely meant to convey that there was no deal is squarely at odds with what its article actually warned, CNN reserves the right to publish his identity should any of that change. That sentence, which can only be read as a threat to reveal his name should he post more offending material in the future, is what has triggered the anger at CNN, and the network's statement does not address that at all. Uh, finally, CNN apparently refuses to say whether this threatening language was included by its reporter, who was borne the brunt of the public anger, or by its lawyers and executives demanding that it be included. So, you know, <laughs> much like what we talked about with Gawker, where it's 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 a complicated story, uh, defending people who are maybe have horrible views or who who are less than moral actors. Um, if you think it's cool for like a, a massive you know media conglomerate to threaten to expose and possibly expose to harm a private citizen just because they somebody with no money and probably no power, even if they're a douchebag, even if they're a horrible human being who posted horrible memes on the internet, if you think it's cool for them to put their investigative might into f exposing that person, I, I don't know what to say to you. Like I think that's you know crazy. I mean, you know, what? I don't know, what do you think? I mean, I just think this is so indicative of the fact that they don't give a shit about actual journalism or actual reporting. They're just hurt that somebody, you know, it pissed them off and it made them look dumb. So they put all of their energy into exposing that person rather than actually, you know, the fact that they have an investigative reporting team, it was news to me because they've never <laughs> broken a fucking story about anything substantive i would love to have... what about all that breaking news about the plane <laughs> <laughs> yeah they did a great job on that one we still haven't found the fucking thing um you know this see this is this is where i'm torn because if this guy wasn't posting the reason why this guy's life would be over if they expose his name is because he put anti-semitic stuff on the internet yeah now i mean if if he didn't have ridiculous views 
he wouldn't be risking his job and his family and all that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, I do agree with you, though, that, that a major corporation like that should not be going after an individual because it's, you know... I mean, I had heard somewhere that he had doxed some employees at, at CNN. No, you know, so... Um... Or is it just the Jewish star thing? No, it's just the Jewish star thing. And some, no, okay. some, some right-wing asshole had doxed. Which is doxed. so awful. No, it's awful. And he's not a good person. And that's why I'm, I'm fucking doubly pissed at CNN for making me defend this maniac. <laughs> um, no, no, no. After this had happened, because people were so, I, I, in my opinion, at least rightly pissed at CNN for using their, their vast resources to settle a beef, basically, because they were pissed off about a meme that was actually pretty damn funny. Um, <laughs> after that, it happened. Some the, of the... the wrestling meme, not the yeah, no, 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 no. The re- yeah. Let, let me be clear. <laughs> let me be clear. Um, <laughs> I the... didn't want want you to get in trouble there. Yeah, yeah no. That, thank you for that save. Uh, but um, no, no, no. <laughs> so after that happened, and that hashtag was trending, one of the one one of the alt right idiots, uh, Jack Posen back, whatever the fuck his name is. He, he he he's a big Trump. He's like a younger guy. He's like you know a big Trump guy. He docks. I guess CNN. he's white. <laughs> how'd you guess that's pretty good <laughs> uh, good guess it was um, really hard to figure yeah, out <laughs> right no he's yeah he, he's I, I don't know that he's a neo-nazi but he's definitely of the richard spencer variety of alt-right guys so you know um he... oh so the media's gonna call him dapper while he's like talking his speech <laughs> well he's so well dressed come on adrian i mean let's be fair <laughs> but, oh my god while, while he's talking about you know casual genocide um right. the yeah, so he he doxed CNN employees after that had happened. So that wasn't the actual user. And again, don't want to defend the guy. He's an asshole. You know, his, it's right in his name. Han Asshole Solo. He's an asshole. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, at least he's being straightforward about it. Yes. <laughs> he's being up front. Yeah. So, but I, I just think it's so slimy what CNN did. And, and it just proves that they don't give a shit about actually reporting or actually doing journalism. All they care about is their image and their ratings and the money that they get coming in from advertisers. Cause you know, it, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I was really just, I, I thought that was a ridiculous thing for them to do and to threaten to do. So basically if you piss them off and that means that they have an agenda, cause how, how would you know that you're pissing them off unless you say something uh, that they disagree with? So clearly they're, they're, they're working from the, the fact that they have a bias and an agenda uh, they reserve the right to expose you. So, you know, even if you want to stay anonymous online. And, you know, there might be a, bit, a greater discussion to be had about whether or not the merits of somebody being able to troll anonymously online, but that's not CNN's job to litigate, certainly, I don't think. I think that's a conversation that maybe should be had. Um, I also don't think that's the government's job to legislate or uh, litigate that. Uh, so I don't know, you know, and it's a complicated story, much like the Gawker thing, but I think, yeah. I think, you know, really putting on my hat of fairness and, and actual, you know, uh, impartiality, I think that's like just total bullshit of CNN to do. And I wanted to highlight it because I just thought everyone, you know, and, and I haven't seen too many people doing coverage of it, but like TYT covered it and they were basically like totally gave CNN a pass. And I think CNN, as usual, because they're a terrible fucking organization, is, again, doing a disservice to the fact that they claim to be a news agency. So I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, that that's fair. That's totally fair. Because it's, it's I mean, yeah, I, why are they even looking this guy up? 
Yeah, no. You know, I, it's, it's just. It's, if he put people's life, like if they put, if he put their staff's lives at safety, you know, out of in harm's yeah. way, yeah, they'd have a point. Yeah. Also, but, not, not for nothing, he didn't make this meme with the intention of like millions of people seeing it. Like you know, he made it to make a bunch of idiots on like an alt right forum laugh. And honestly, it was pretty funny. Like even to non alt right people, I thought I thought it was pretty funny. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, the the wrestling thing because it's just so ridiculous that it's, Trump it's, did it's, that in the first place. It's goofy as shit, and it it's also super goofy as shit that our president was involved in a pro wrestling angle, but that's a whole, you know, right. I mean, it's just goofy on so many levels, but it's fucking funny. It's like a funny, dumb thing. Uh, I, I don't think it's super presidential for him to tweet it, but I'm not going to be, no. they were in a fucking huff about it when, and they gave it five days of media coverage when they should have been talking about the fact that the goddamn healthcare bill is being secretly pushed through the Senate right now. And it's probably going to pass. Um, so, you know, great job CNN as usual, focusing on the important issues like who made a nasty meme about you guys instead of about the fact that you know that that bill is very close to passing among a lot of other heinous things that they're doing behind the scenes well i mean compare it to the last controversial tweet he had like that was not about politics when when he called what's her name a fa you know said what's her name at a facelift or whatever that garbage oh, was they gave that so much i mean garbage too it was like who gives a fuck just I mean, it was absurd that he said that, oh, really. I mean, who gives a shit? And whether she got in, in surgery or not, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, why would he, why would an adult man say that about somebody oh, else? Yeah, no, you know it, what it I mean? It was a super, like, like, gross statement from Childish. him. Childish. You know? Just fuck. But he's, he's, a, he's a fucking moron. Like, we know this. That I, I just That's I, why I'm saying like the wrestling tweet isn't so bad <laughs> compared yeah, to it's the not. other And I don't stuff. know why they keep falling for it, because... It's distracting them, and I don't think it's master plan. I think he's just an idiot who says whatever comes to his head. But these, he is, but these idiots let him distract them from important shit going on. They could be reporting and should be reporting 24-7 on all of the policy proposals he's trying to fucking ram through Congress right now. But they won't do it because they. it's much better for their ratings, just like Jeff Zucker said on that leaked video. Russia is good for their ratings and Trump is good for their ratings. So... They're not going to talk about things like the healthcare bill or things like the climate agree uh, Paris Climate Accords that we pulled out of because it's not sexy and it, and they only gave one day's airtime to it. Um, so you know you you wonder why all these horrible things are passing through his, on his agenda. It's because we're not actually focusing on them and not actually doing enough to prevent them, and we're focusing on other bullshit. So. <laughs> That's... No, I wonder how much time uh, CNN's going to give to that big protest in Germany at, outside the G20 summit. I, pro I you know, I, I, I didn't watch CNN today, but I'm sure they didn't cover it too much. Um, and, you know, you think with 24 hours in a day, you could fucking find time to talk about uh, health care and minimum wage and the fact that half the country's poor in poverty. That statement has probably never been said on CNN. That's how, right. Know, that's so obscene. Like the half of this country is poor in poverty, and I guarantee you that statement's probably never been said. And if it was, the guy was probably like black bagged and dragged off of his little, <laughs> you know, <laughs> his little corner square of the picture from the from the panel that he was on. So the only time it's been said on CNN is when Bernie was in the debates. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> 
That's probably true. Yeah. Well, it certainly wasn't said during his stump speeches because they were cutting away from them to show fucking Trump's empty podium. So. Oh, my God. They didn't even show that speech. I remember. I remember, actually. I was at my parents' house the day of that empty podium bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I knew Bernie was giving a speech, so I put on CNN to see if they were going to cover it because I was watching all his speeches back then mm-hmm. as I was like following him and getting involved in the campaign and all that. And yeah, I waited and I waited and I waited and they were showing a stupid podium. I remember that. <laughs> I wanted to see Dan's speech. Yeah. His speeches were great. Speeches I mean, they were, were so excellent. inspirational. Yeah. I don't know if you ever got to see him in person, but it was amazing. Not yet. I, I hopefully will get out to see him at some point. Um, maybe if he runs I, in 2020. But no, I, yeah, I haven't seen him in person. But he, I mean, it's amazing. He was drawing 20,000, 30,000 people to stadiums. And they're cutting away to show an empty podium for fucking Trump. So, I saw him in town hall back before, way before the um, deadline for the New York primary. I saw him in town in at town that venue, town hall in New York City uh, in Times Square. Yeah, I saw him. I think the summer of 2015. You know, this was before he. It was. It was not far after he announced. I can't uh-huh. remember. It might have been May. Oh, wow. No, no, okay, had to be. It had to be. September. Huh. It had to be September. But anyway, um yeah, he he you know, the venue was packed. Some people couldn't you had to like register online beforehand. Mm-hmm. And he people didn't even know who he was yet, but in New York City it was so crazy. And when he when he came outside after the event, I knew he got swarmed like he was in the Beatles. <laughs> yeah well i think he gets that a lot now i think everywhere he goes he gets that (laughs) which is you know which is awesome yeah this was before people knew who he was you know this was like right when he was just gaining a little bit of recognition yeah um but yeah i saw him there i saw him a bunch of times and he's great and the one thing i think that that like the the, one of the major differences between like the hillary spores and the bernie spores We'll still criticize him when he does shit we don't like. Like I will at least. I mean, and yeah. I know a lot of progressives will. You know, if he if he if he signs a letter, you know, with the rest of the Senate guys condemning, uh, you know, the UN for their for the Israel resolutions or stuff like that. Like I'll I'll criticize him if I think he's you know, towing the party line, which they don't get. It's never about. It's not about a candidate. Oh, the Russia shit. Yeah, the Russia shit too. It's but that's the thing. It's like it's not about a candidate for us. It's about the platform and it's about the policy. Which is no, something... that's the yeah, that's the thing they don't get is like we'll criticize them the worst. Yeah, sure, absolutely, because <laughs> because we're disappointed. That's what we're doing to the rest of the Democrats. Yeah, but we just are doing it all the time because they're horrible on these policies that we expect them to be where we are on. So that's if they got in line, like not in line with what the base wants, we wouldn't be criticizing them. We'd be like, oh great, look look they're fight they're actually fighting for single-payer health care and for $15 minimum wage and to end the wars. Hey, how about that for a Democratic bumper sticker? <laughs> Democrats 2018, end the wars. I, like, oh, I don't know. yeah. God, right. God forbid you fucking They wouldn't let that. people chant that at, uh... They wouldn't let people chant that at the, the oh, yeah. um... What's it called? The convention. At the convention. They had that pre-approved list. I don't know if anyone's ever seen that who's listening, but they, they had a pre-approved list they sent out to Hillary delegates to counter Bernie chants. Like, they didn't want no more war. They said to chant Hillary over them chanting no more war. They tried to find... Because apparently no more war is offensive to the Democrats. <laughs> 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 I mean, what does that say about 
about the man. But I, I do love how they said if they chant Black Lives Matter, join them. So we appear like we actually give a shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Fucking, that's yeah. fucking worst. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Well, you know, that, that about does it for us this week. Um, <laughs> but uh, some interesting stuff. And I there's some stuff that's happening right now that I'll, we'll probably end up talking about next week. Because... Uh, the news cycle moves incredibly quickly and it's nearly impossible to keep up when you're doing a, a podcast about news. So <laughs> I'm sure there's some stuff we missed that we'll get to next week. Uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes and we will catch you next week on the Our Voice podcast. Oh, Jeremy Corbin. <laughs> Can we end on that? <laughs> yep. Oh my god! I wish I, I really wish he was like our politician. Yeah, I wish he was fucking a U.S. politician. He's the oh, best. me and my husband sing that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love I love that the British are doing that. They're doing That's it everywhere. It's great. It's the greatest thing in the world. They did they did it in Parliament. Yeah. Did you see when they did it when he came back to Parliament and they were and they're like the gallery people in the gallery were all chanting it <laughs> and all the MPs. No, were, that's great. And all the MPs were like looking up at them like, what the fuck is going on up there? <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> so great. Yeah. All right. Catch you guys next week on the Our Voice Podcast.